Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first episode of the Early Access Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Kuehler, is producing the show. This time around, this is my podcast about gaming, VR, and things I want to talk about. It's August 6th, 2019. You can check us out, assuming we don't mess up the syndication on Spotify and iTunes, YouTube as well, youtube.com slash And we are live, twitch.tv slash at 9 p.m. PST, Tuesdays. The Early Access Podcast, you can check us out there. First thing, I had a gig this week that required me to take a gamer motivation survey, which is a test that helps determine why you play games, what makes you want to play certain kinds of games, whether they be, uh, oh, this game needs to be graphically beautiful or it needs to have a good story or the gameplay elements need to be insanely challenging, stuff like that. So I had a couple people I know take the test. Uh, I got me and Kuehler's results right here, but... My results came back. They rate you on six different things. Action, immersion, creativity, achievement, mastery, and social. Uh, All in all, I scored incredibly low on everything except mastery, which was at 95%, and social, which was at 39%. I'm going to scroll down here. Uh, The parts of the survey that I didn't score so high on, action, uh, gamers with high action scores are aggressive and like to jump into the fray and be surrounded by dynamic visuals and effects. Gamers with low action scores prefer conversation. I got an 18% in that. They break it down by destruction and excitement. Destruction, of course, is like the typical just cause. Oh, things are exploding and going insane. Uh, they name Call of Duty and Battlefield as two games with a lot of destruction in them, which I guess Battlefield, yeah, Call of Duty, not so much. I find that more just to be like an arcade shooter. It's not like a Just Cause or like a Grand Theft Auto where you can just go around running people over and destroying things. Uh, I'm going to skip the two that I scored really high on for now. But I got Social and Mastery were both decently high. Achievement, I got 32%. That's when you like to collect rare items and collectibles, stuff like that. I mean, I did get 32%. uh, Stuff like Shiny Hunting and Pokemon Go, which I would argue is not content. That is literally just finding a Pokemon of a different color. Uh, some people enjoy that. Some people like getting different skins. It's probably why I never spent too much on microtransactions when I was playing games like Black Ops 3 and Fortnite. Uh, but I got a 32% of that. And then for creativity, I landed a solid 2%. That's for when you want to do things like explore an MMO and uh, swim out to the edge of the ocean to see what happens. In Minecraft, they want to see... What happens if you craft at different times of day or near zombies? And uh, I, I just don't care about stuff like that. Immersion was at 1%, which considering I'm into VR, it's kind of interesting. But uh, immersion counts fantasy, which is enjoying games like Skyrim, Fallout, Mass Effect, which I did enjoy Skyrim, and story. Uh, gamers who score high on story under the immersion, component, immersion components uh, want a an elaborate storyline and cast of characters. And considering the games I play right now, Beat Saber, Sound Voltex, uh, those literally have no story whatsoever. I mean, I do play Pokemon, but Pokemon stories have never been that insane or or morally uh, in-depth. It's pretty much always catch Pokemon. Oh, this bad team wants to harness the world's resources or steal Pokemon or, or do something like that. Uh, so, so Pokemon is not really a, a story-heavy game. But the two that I scored incredibly high on, uh, and this is really interesting tying into my career as a Twitch streamer. I scored really high on mastery, 85%. Gamers with high mastery scores like challenging gaming experiences with strategic depth and complexity. If you think of some of my favorite games, Catherine, 
which was this dating puzzle simulator. It's actually a fairly decent, decently difficult game. Uh, and getting over it, which is the wallpaper on my phone, that game literally has, I don't know if you would say no story or plenty of story. Uh, it's a game that was super popular on Twitch about a year ago where you're a man in a pot. you got to climb a hill using only a hammer. That game, I'm not sure if it had a lot of story or no story, um, but it was literally about just climbing and suffering, and it was kind of a metaphor for life that you can get really far, but just get reset and you got to start over. I really love that game. Uh, other games, Dark Souls, Bloodborne, love those games. Uh, Beat Saber, of course, is a challenging game. Uh, you pretty much just play harder and harder maps until you, you can't possibly play a map, and then you just repeat it over and over until you can actually beat it. That's how I play it. I know some other people play it uh, more dancey. And then strategy is the other subsection under mastery components. Gamers who Scott score high on this component enjoy games that require careful decision-making and planning. I mean, I am playing Pokemon TCG right now, and I used to play a lot of XCOM. I did play one game of Civilization until uh, I realized that I don't have enough time in my day to play a 12-hour game of Civ and, and get good at that. But I scored really high on that. Uh, under social components, I got a 39 on that, but that's because competition, I scored a 91% and under community, I only scored 2%. And I was thinking about why I would score so low on that. Basically, um, the questions that they ask you regarding community. And if you guys want to take this test, if you're watching on YouTube, I'll link it down in the description, uh, but you can take it on uh, apps.quanticfoundry.com. I'm going to check real quick to make sure that this goes directly. I think they have a couple of different surveys. They do. Um, but linked on their front page is the gamer motivation survey. But I have uh, under community only 2%. Uh, that's for when gamers like partying up and playing with other people. And over the course of my Twitch career, I, I've really liked less and less of partying up with people and worrying about other people's schedules. I'll, I'll talk more about that in a moment. Uh, but competition at 21%. Gamers who score high on this component enjoy competing with other players often in duels matches or team versus team scenarios which i find totally true unless it's like dark souls i don't really like beating up on bots it just doesn't really uh, feel satisfying for me i never really played like combat training in call of duty or anything but i do i do like it when i get my team of six in black ops 4 or more let's, let's go all the way back to modern warfare 2 when you can spawn trap people in the back building on high rise and really punish people for for simply getting into the same lobby as you uh that that I, I i would get infinite satisfaction from even though they weren't bots if they played like bots and we got them spawn trapped uh that's infinitely more satisfying to me than actually having uh to shoot against someone who doesn't have feelings i don't know if it's um because because i know i'm making them angry and i've heard them uh in the lobby afterwards like bro well why are you spawn trapping insert multitude of racial slurs here uh but i also had cooler Take the survey. Uh, you want to talk about yours a little bit, Kuehler? You scored higher in pretty much everything uh, than I have, except mastery and social. Kuehler got well, way higher know. scores in immersion. Yeah, it's hard It's hard to be more of a tryhard than me. Uh, Kuehler got higher scores in immersion, creativity, and action. So what do you yeah, find so, that you differ? Um, well, creativity is probably the one I mattered more, although maybe the questions didn't like extract that part enough because i do like just the wandering the aimlessness and everything i'm very much not a tryhard, unlike you are so I, it's fitting that i got mastery is kind of my lowest 
but I do like some level of competence if I am playing with people. I like social gaming only, but only if I can find like competent people to play with. But since I rarely can, um, social went pretty far down also at like 34% or something, relatively low. Uh, compared to the other ones, I think both of us tend to enjoy single-player games a lot more, and I think it's also because that's what kind of what I grew up with too. A lot of my favorite games when I was growing up and everything, and the styles I was with, were all single-player or at most co-op in person, but not so much these kind of exclusively online games. Yeah. Uh, so I th- I think over time, uh, going back to the so- parts of social gaming, uh, my community score right now uh, under social components gaming ninety one percent competition two percent community. I think over time, uh, I, I probably started off way higher, probably like an 80% on social. Like I, back in middle school, would come home every day and play six hour, six to eight hours in middle school and, and early high school of Black Ops 1 with my team of six guys. We wouldn't lose a single game all day. And this would also go back to uh, when I started streaming back in 2013. I would get a team of four people, uh, three other people together in T-Lau factions, I, a lot of people don't know that The Last of Us had online multiplayer, but I would get a bunch of people together and we would just go online and win games nonstop. It wouldn't be uncommon for us to play eight hours and lose one game. So uh, that back in the day, I used to really like playing games with other people, uh, particularly like you said, who are competent and also actually good at the game and want to improve themselves. Uh, not necessarily professional players, but people who could at least break even or not be dead weight on the team. Uh, but nowadays, I'm scoring 2% under community. And uh, this episode, I want to talk a little bit more about how streaming has impacted how I play games nowadays and and what changed over the course of... I was a professional Twitch streamer, for those of you guys who don't know me, for five years, something like that. I think from 2013 to 2016 was really when I was on top. Uh, and then 2017, 2018, it really died down. I'd say four years. Uh, but from 2013 to 2016, I calculated it. There were months where I would stream on average, a full month, I would stream on average six hours a day on my Twitch channel back when I was at my peak of streaming. That's six hours on my channel. I also streamed on one of my friend's channels for Competitive Evolve. And then I would stream on another channel uh, that was for another Evolve League. Back when I played Evolve was when I was at my peak streaming. So I would pro- I would stream on the weekends on my friend's channel, help him co-cast some Evolve content. I'd stream on my channel for six hours, and I would stream a couple matches on this other Evolve League's channel. Uh, all in all, I was I was easily streaming eight hours a day, every day. We're 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 talking like I only stream six hours on my own channel. Uh, I streamed more on other people's channels, and that that doesn't count if I took a single day off. Of course, that would lower the average. That's every single day. Uh, I went I went really hard back when I was a streamer. And a lot of people nowadays ask me like, oh, Nikki, like I'll, I'll tell people I'm playing Beat Saber alone at home and my friends will tell me, why don't you stream that? Or, uh, you know, why don't you play that online for people to watch, uh, whether it be on Twitch or Mixer. And I, I really i am tired of the entire streaming environment now. After having done it for five years, I mean, one of the reasons I wanted to start this podcast was for me to have some kind of ties to content creation but I want to talk about some of the ways that streaming has pretty much driven me insane and completely changed the way I play games. I'm really happy with the way I play games now. Uh, but one of the things I had a serious problem with that a lot of streamers have problems with is backseat gaming. Uh, even even if it wasn't malicious or intentional, 
people would give me advice and, and I find that part of gaming is the experience. If you take like Bloodborne or the Dark Souls series, for example, I really enjoyed trying to figure out what attacks a boss was going to use or figure out what weapons would be useful against him and figure out how to do their different phases. Like, for example, the final boss in the main campaign of Dark Souls 3 comes back to life after you beat him the first time, spoiler alert. And so if that were spoiled for me, I may have played it differently and not gotten the same experience and not gotten the same level of achievement, sense of achievement, as EA would say, for actually defeating him when I actually did beat him. But one, one, one example I always bring up is Shadow of the Colossus, which, for those of you who haven't played it, is a game that is literally just bosses. There's nothing else to Shadow of the Colossus than beating bosses and solving puzzles. There's that thing with the white lizards, but uh, there would be people who come into my chat. And Shadow of the Colossus, I think at the time I played it, was literally a 10-year-old game. So plenty of people had played it before I had. And uh, people would come in and say, oh, Nikki, this is how you solve this. And, and now I have that knowledge and I don't get that experience of, oh, let me do this. Uh, let me try this out. Let me try this. I don't get that exploration. And it comes out to, well, I just know how to do it now. So I just need I need to follow your instructions. Otherwise, now I'm wasting your time, wasting my time. Uh, so Shadow of the Colossus was particularly bad. I, I think that was an incredible game. But streaming on Twitch really dampened, uh, I think, my experience with the game. I still think it's a great game. And I can kind of filter out of my head the lack of fun I had for the bosses that people just straight up told me how to do. And, of course, there's ways around that on Twitch now. Um, back when I was... A streamer we didn't have tools like auto mod where like messages would go to a uh, also stuff where i think auto mod and the tool where messages go to a moderator before the streamer can see it so they can get rid of spots and stuff that didn't exist when i was going through shadow of the colossus uh of course if you just straight up tell me how to beat a bloodborne boss then that's not fun um and so that's what really ruined single-player games for me and at a certain point i i came up with a policy for myself during my streaming career where I would have to play a single-player game once fully through off-stream before I played it on-stream. And at that point, it was old news. No one wanted to see it. Um, everyone was moving on to the next new big release, especially if we were in the winter section of games, you know, that October, November, December kind of quick release. We got to put things out before Christmas kind of time period for games. If, if I took a week or two to finish a game off-stream, then uh, that game was irrelevant because a new game came out the week after, I remember that in particular, that's how Titanfall 2 really got screwed over by EA because they released Battlefield uh, right before, I think it was right before Titanfall 2. Anyway, uh, playing with other people. So this is this is where when I said my, my community rating on this gamer motivation survey went from probably would have been 80% I love playing with people to 2%. Nowadays, I don't want to play games with other people because I want the only person to have an impact on my gameplay to be me. Uh, and my opponent. I, I'm cool with 1v1 games. Uh, I, I only want to play with myself. I don't want to worry about other people's schedule or, oh, I, I got to get two other people on for Apex. Playing with randoms is so painful. Uh, and in particular, there are a couple instances on stream that I always bring up uh, as to like completely ruining my experience to playing with other people. These didn't happen all the time every day, but they did happen often enough to be incredibly irritating. Uh, I remember one time I was playing... World War II, this Call of Duty that came out two, three years ago. And this guy comes in a chat. And usually I, at this point, I would only play with people I know and trust, but I made an exception for this guy because we need another player. Uh, and he said, hey, man, I'm tired of playing with other people. Can I play with you guys? And he seemed cool enough. So I invited him in. And he said he was tired of playing with other people, yet he was level one. Not 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 
level one prestige one, but he's literally level one on a fresh new account. Uh, and then I asked everyone in my party, hey, what game mode do you guys want to play? And we all agreed on Hardpoint. He didn't chime in. Those of you who don't know, Hardpoint's uh, one of the competitive modes in Call of Duty. And it's probably one of the sweatier modes where people are really trying. He was getting his ass beat. And in the middle of the match, asked me, why are we playing Hardpoint? Uh, I was not hard set on playing Hardpoint. It was just something that he wanted to do or that uh, that the group wanted to do. And he didn't chime in on. Everyone seemed cool with it. So we, we hopped in and played it. He ended up leaving in the middle of the match and never coming back. Uh, we had another instance in Black Ops 3 when we were playing with a guy that was so bad. Uh, he was feeding the other team so hard that he got a mothership called in on us. And I I, I have probably played like 20 days, days of Black Ops 3 at this point, and I'd never gotten a mothership called in on me. Uh, but that guy was not, not someone I wanted on my team. Uh, we kicked him out very shortly afterwards. But the pinnacle... Of all this, I, I think the main thing that uh, the, the top tier reason that I, I wanted to stop playing with viewers was back in the Evolve days. Evolve is a 4v1 game. You need a support player, a trapper, an assault, and a medic. Our medic left. I had to pull someone from chat. We pulled this guy who had never played before. Uh, his name was Dino. And Dino turned out to be a, tw- a 12-year-old might be too old, but I'm going to say 12. Uh, in fact, I think you need to be 13 to watch Twitch. So let's say 13. He's a 13-year-old kid, super squeaker. Uh, but I, to be fair, I don't I don't care about people's voices. I, I really care if you're just a cool dude and you got the gameplay that, that we need to win the game. We're playing Evolve. We put him on the medic because that's what he said he wanted to play. And he did absolutely no healing. Uh, I remember getting into team fights where he would charge into the monster with his sniper rifle. He was playing Val and, and fire nonstop. Uh, not doing any healing. He would go down immediately, which would pretty much lose us the team fight. It involved, there's only one medic, so you lose the medic and you're going to kind of have a hard time. At one point, uh, I remember our trapper, I was playing support, I think, was low health. And uh, I asked him, yo, Dino, can you heal up our trapper? And he didn't reply at all. Dino, can you heal our trapper? And the trapper can't heal him freaking selves. Uh, shortly afterwards, we hear kind of a punching sound and another presumably younger kid crying as he's getting beaten in the face in front of a TV over this kid's microphone. Uh, Dino was beating up his little brother mid-match for standing in front of the TV uh, or, or something like that. Afterwards, uh, after we all died, our support player was the last man standing and he had to survive long enough for the rest of the team to respawn. Uh, so Dino yelled, watch out the monsters behind you when the monster was clearly on the other side of the map, which caused our support player to panic and pop his cloak, which caused it to go on cooldown. So now if the monster finds me, he doesn't have cloak. I, I literally had to yell at this kid, bro, shut up. Let this man work. I need you to heal. I, I'm, I'm literally losing my mind uh, and being a little bit unprofessional and yelling at this literal kid. Um, and, that, and that's partially my fault for taking random people uh, off of the internet to come play with me. But we did have a queue system back when I was a professional streamer. So you would have to fill out this entire form with your PlayStation username, uh, your if you had a microphone or not, if you were playing Evolve, which of those four classes you specialized in. Like, we had this whole thing. A lot of people came to me and complained, like, yo, man, I don't want to fill out a form. I just want to play. My response is always, and if you're too lazy to fill out the form, you just can't play. Like, I need some way to vet people. Uh, and even sometimes using a form to vet people 
was not enough. We got some class A idiots no matter what game I played. Uh, and it eventually just got to the point of, of five or six years of this, of not having consistent friends online to play. And it's not my friend's fault. I literally played video games eight hours a day professionally, you know, for money on Twitch. So I can't blame people I know in real life or, or even viewers who would play with me often who are good players. I can't blame them for not being online eight hours a day, seven days a week. So it was hard to find other people to play with consistently. And so... Uh, by pulling random people from chat, I always ran that risk of someone who was uh, insanely incompetent, uh, really dumb, had potato microphones. Uh, there was always the risk of getting someone on the stream who was not stream worthy, for lack of a better word. I, I always felt as someone doing the prestigious thing of broadcasting their video game gameplay on the internet that I needed to show people gameplay that they couldn't just do themselves. Uh, gameplay of a good team playing or someone who is playing and they can't just get on and be as good as that guy. They need to train a little bit. You know, I was always the guy who wanted to make sure that my gameplay was not not completely unattainable. I'd never been like a professional player at the level of that maniac who won the Fortnite World Cup. But definitely, uh, you know, you can't just play for two months and be as good as me. And so uh, that that's probably what dropped my, my community rating on my gamer motivation profile from... 80% to 2% as I just hated uh, eventually that grab bag of just playing with random people. There's some other stuff with like Beat Saber nowadays and why I don't stream Beat Saber. I mean, first off, I'm not making the majority of my money off of Twitch anymore. I don't have to worry about losing followers or subscribers because I'm pretty much at rock bottom with how often I stream. Uh, but the thing is with like Beat Saber, for example, is when you stream a rhythm game, people, people have this notion that they can just request songs. I don't know where that came from. I understand a lot of other streamers do it and, and they expect when they go into other streams that, that I'll do it also. But I, I don't want to play Beat Saber for entertainment. I don't want to take the time to set up a mixed reality setup unless I'm at work because we have that up and running all the time. But I want to take time at home to set up my mixed reality setup. That's that honestly more difficult, more time consuming and costs more money than I'm going to make back on it unless I go hard on MR content creation, which I won't do because I have a real job. Uh, and, and plus, I don't want to I don't want to feel like I, I need to entertain when I play Beat Saber. I want to feel like, oh, this is a song I can't beat. I fail three minutes into this song every time, and it's a five-minute song. I am going to play from the three-minute mark on on this song for the next hour until I can beat it. And then once I can beat it, I'll play the whole song. Now I've played one song for 30 minutes to an hour and a half, and I'll move on to the next song, which probably isn't entertaining for most people. Uh, but I, I just want to do what I want to do. I don't want to take song requests uh, or play Rap God. That, that That's that's the Beat Saber equivalent to Guitar Hero 3's Through the Fire and Flames is play Rap God. as a map that was super popular back like June last year. I just want to sit down and play the game without having to worry about having to entertain someone. Plus, the games I play have no overlap uh, as far as audience goes and anyone except me. I'm playing like Beat Saber. Sound Voltex. I, I don't know of any other Beat Saber players who play Sound Voltex. I know there are Beat Saber players who play Sound Voltex, but uh, it's an arcade game. It's not a game that you can get at home. It's not even a VR game. I play Pokemon, the trading card game, and the VGC. Uh, I don't know of anyone who plays rhythm games and Pokemon. Like I, I don't want to work to curate my content anymore, uh, even though I am playing these single-player games, and I, I've eliminated the whole, oh, trying to play with other people part of streaming. I just don't want to curate my content anymore. 
to do things that are cohesive, like, oh, I want to be a, a streamer who plays shooters. Uh, and the other thing is, I don't want to be a variety streamer. Like, I don't want to play the newest game that's come out, because frankly, not all of them interest me. Uh, what What's something that just came out, Keeler, that, that just, like, completely flown over my head? Do you even keep tracking games? Because I don't. I, I don't, even probably even less than you do. So Yeah. See, that's, wonderful that's people how, to be doing a gaming podcast, right? That that's that's how much I keep up with recent releases. I just don't care. Uh Borderlands three is coming out and I kinda care about that. Um two K was nice enough to bring me out to Hollywood to play Borderlands three. And I did enjoy my time with the game, but I don't see myself investing into it like I do with Sound Voltex or Beat Saber, even though it's a great game. Uh, maybe I'll play a playthrough of it, but I'm not going to go hard on that game. Uh, maybe like I, I used to with Borderlands 2. I mean, I've played all of Borderlands 2 multiple times. But that's how streaming has uh, has completely changed the way I play video games. And plus, when it comes to playing games like, uh, let's say, Beat Saber, Borderlands, uh, Pokemon, games that are radically different, it is extremely hard to keep up a follow count for changing games. Uh, I remember one of my friends in particular who was a Pokemon Go streamer back when Pokemon was big. He would stream Pokemon Go and then when he would get on his channel to do other things, uh, he would just lose followers left and right. And the same was true with me. I would pull easily a thousand viewers on Evolve and anything else I would pull less than 20. I mean, when you're seeing a rate of 90%, 95% viewer count dropping from switching from one game to another, I... I and just being tied down to oh this game is what you're what you're famous for play this otherwise you're you're not going to have any viewers uh, that that just that's a pressure of streaming that I don't want to deal with anymore it's a reality that exists and it's hard to circumvent of course there is a variety streaming but I don't want to do that I don't want to be a variety streamer who has to play the newest uh, game that comes out you know I I get really into a bunch of different games. And eventually I'll rotate them out with no correlation to what the Twitch market wants. It'll be what I want to do and not what people want to watch. And I'm so much happier just being able to go out and play whatever I want. I mean, when I, when I swapped off Evolve, we're, we're talking pulling 1,500 viewers to pulling literally nothing. Uh, and I, I've seen this with plenty of other content creator friends who have left Twitch to go get other jobs because they couldn't rebuild. Uh, I've rebuilt my channel plenty plenty of times. I'm not calling them failures. I'm not saying it's a bad idea they went to go out and get other jobs. That notion, that whole notion of, of being a Twitch streamer and, oh, push on, keep grinding, you'll, you'll get followers, you get that big break. Like, no, at a certain point, go get a real job. Like, go invest in your future. Go do something steady. Uh, don't, even if you've made it like I have, pulling over a thousand viewers regularly that that wasn't because of a lucky raid or a lucky host it's because of the way i positioned myself in one singular game category and for those of you who don't know when evolve closed down they literally turned off the servers for evolve state 2 there went all my viewers also uh it's not a failure to go out and, and give up and go do something else with your time because you only have so much of it and and that whole pressure i just i don't want to do that anymore i i don't want to play a game because it'll get me viewers but i also don't want to become uh known for variety because naturally how i want to play games is not put 10 hours into the newest thing that's out oh i'm gonna play this game for 20 hours 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 i put thousands of hours into evolve 
I don't want to pick up a game for 20 hours and then and then put it down. You know, so uh, that was that was pretty much uh, so, some of the things that have ruined games for me uh, as I was a streamer. And some of the reasons I quit streaming was because I rebuilt my channel from The Last of Us. Then I moved over to Destiny. Uh, and when I swapped from The Last of Us to Destiny, there were viewers who would come watch me every single day. And and the swap over to Destiny wasn't sudden. It was, this game's coming out, I, I want to play it, I'm going to stop playing this game and, and, and move over to Destiny. There were people who would be in my chat literally every day talking for hours. And when I swapped over to Destiny, it's just gone. They're not there anymore. Uh, and, and they have the right to do that if they don't want to watch something that that they don't they're not familiar with or they don't want to watch but it was also kind of uh like i had formed a friendship with these people and to see them leave did did get me the first time when i swapped from the last of us to destiny after that i realized that's part of the course this is the game this is the twitch game uh viewers are going to leave and so i realized that i i had to rebuild my channel on destiny then when i swapped off of destiny to evolve i mean there's a bunch of games in between had to rebuild my audience there when i swapped to evolve the battleborn had to rebuild my audience there then evolve stage 2 came out and every time you're just going and rebuilding and at a certain point i just like i i don't want to do this anymore even if i reach the peak again where i'm pulling a thousand plus viewers uh, it's not worth the time i'd much rather have a steady job uh, that I, I actually feel like, I mean, one of the things that I did like about doing Twitch is I felt like I directly had an impact on my own success, which I feel like you wouldn't have if you worked at a big company or like in retail or at Starbucks. Like if you don't show up to work uh, at, you know, Pete's coffee for one day, Pete's is not going to collapse. They're going to be fine. Uh, so I do like working at a small company now. And that's one of the rewarding things about being on Twitch is slacking. Uh, the inverse of that is slacking. It was all on you. If um, if you didn't stream for a day, two days, you see that sub count drop. It's hard to recover. You see that average concurrent viewer count drop. Uh, I mean, I, I know a lot of my streamer friends. Streaming IRL nowadays is a lot more popular than, than when I started back in 2013. But people were very concerned, uh, and they still are when they go out to TwitchCon, to book some time in the streamer pods or to stream on their phones IRL when you go out to a convention because you need to keep that constant content flowing, even though you, you're working while you're working. You're out at TwitchCon meeting fans, networking, doing all that stuff, and you're still streaming while you do it. And the, the whole pressures of 24 hours on, always being an entertainer, always having to stream every day. I mean, like I said, I streamed six hours a day on my own channel uh, back when I was at my peak, and, and that's just not healthy. Uh, I streamed well over... 40 hours a week for a long period of time. So that was a big pain. Uh, Killer, you got anything to... Killer's been around for the entire time that I've been streaming. Do you have anything to add with uh, in regards to my to sanity? Add, um, there, well, there is a question in the chat asking if you're going to TwitchCon this year in San Diego. Maybe. Uh, actually, I should in a couple days know I submitted a panel to be part of VR, uh, to be part of this VR panel. Um, I've gathered my panelists. I've submitted an application to uh, have that panel approved and get free passes. If that gets approved, I, I'll probably go. If it doesn't, then I probably won't go because Oculus Connect is right before that, and I'm actually traveling to Japan all of September. So so the answer to that is maybe. Uh, speaking of, I have more to talk about on the VR panel afterwards, but go ahead, Kilo. How, how have 
How has Twitch streaming? How's Twitch streaming been? You've been around the entire time. How's Twitch streaming been? I mean, I can attest to everything you said regarding rebuilding the community. The biggest shock for me was when you first switched off from The Last of Us. The day one when you went to Destiny. Um, and like the day before, there are people that would just be there every day talking to you and, and be friendly and like not just, you know, mentioning or commenting the chat, but you were friendly. We knew each other, we knew our lives generally. Like there was a sense of friendship there. And day one of Destiny, when you stop playing The Last of Us kind of as a main game, um, they were gone, and I still have never seen most of them ever again. Years later. Yeah. Years later. How long ago was that? I don't even remember. I've been here for so long, the time. 20, 2014, uh, I think. <laughs> this is when I swapped off of uh, The Last of Us over to Five Destiny. Years. I think that game came out. Uh, and that the first time that happened, that actually like felt bad personally. Because it's like, okay, you guys aren't viewers. Like you, like I, I know, like oh, what your job's been like, what you're struggling with, uh, yeah, what makes you that. happy. Like you know, I've personally heard these people's voices, even though I've never met them in real life. You do still f- form this bond, uh, and that was back when I was pulling a hundred viewers. Like it's not an insane amount, mm-hmm. um, but it is enough to, you know, person. It's still small enough to personally, under, you know, remember people's names, and uh, you know, associate. With you know what what they're doing in their life when when they come in every day and talk for even an hour and I'm streaming thirty days a month, uh, then you do you do get a kind of sense as to what people's lives are like and then for them to just disappear it's like oh what like I wonder where that person went. Speaking of okay, so I, I'm gonna jump around in our run of show here. Uh, today, Vreal announced that they are closing down operations and I believe the company is disbanding and my friends over at Vreal are now looking for new jobs. Vreal, for those of you guys who don't know, I was part of their ambassador program for two years. They were a program that let you watch VR in VR. So I, for example, would play a game of Super Hot, and then you could go into VR and move around my VR space as I played VR. So you could be in Super Hot while I played Super Hot. It was a really cool thing. Um, they had just recently, like a couple months ago, announced desktop support and uh, that would basically mean now you can watch VR on your desktop by like flying a camera around, kind of like you would in a spectator mode in Call of Duty or Fortnite. Uh, you could fly around and watch VR on desktop. And I was on their ambassador program for two years. My job was to to do Let's Plays for them, uh, to create content for people to watch on the platform. They did pay me for it, just as a disclaimer. I actually didn't really like it, and you could... Um, not Viola as a company, but like doing Let's Plays. I always knew within me that I'm not a Let's Play person. Uh, I'm a, I'm like a multiplayer, online, competitive. Uh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to learn this game. I'm going to teach you something about it. I'm not going to pick up a VR game and be like, all right, guys, like Defector just came out, the VR spy game, and say, oh, we're doing a playthrough of Defector today. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. Oh, my God, that's crazy. That You know, uh, Let's Players seem to have this this mentality that, volume equals hilarity uh and i really don't like that i'm not i'm not hating all let's players i'm not saying all let's players do that um but if i don't have something so I, i'm not gonna go screaming over the top with like oh hey guys it's nicky and today we're playing super hot yeah super hot such a cool game time moves and you like i'm not gonna do that it's exhausting to me uh i i want to talk to you as if I, i'm not pitching something i'm not pitching myself i'm not pitching the game i want to talk to you like oh hey i'm an expert on super hot this is how you re-grab if you let go of a gun um, grab the pyramid to move to the next segment and grab the gun really quick then you can take guns 
you know, as you teleport around. I, I, like, I want to tell you, I want to tell you in-depth stuff about the game. I don't want to do Let's Plays. There's enough Let's Players out there in the world. So, I, I didn't really... V-Real was very flexible. They let me play whatever game I want, and sometimes they let me do special things, like when I did an interview on Mixer, they let me create super hot content um, that was edited, and, and going to school for video editing. You know, I, I do like editing. So... Uh, I, I, I liked creating content like that more than doing Let's Plays. Um, but today they announced that they were closing down. And one of the things that they said in their press release when they said that they were shutting down was they, they think the, the VR market hasn't taken off in the way that they thought it would. And that the demand for a product to watch VR content in VR isn't necessarily there. And I absolutely agree with that. Uh, people are fine watching VR content on YouTube. Liv is doing great. Um, where you can, again, watch VR on a pancake flat screen, um, but see it in mixed reality. I kind of see it in VR. Uh, so people do want to watch VR content, but watching VR in VR wasn't, uh, there wasn't really a market for that. So they closed down. And that's where I want to tie into my TwitchCon panel is last year, they were nice enough to invite me over to their TwitchCon uh, panel, how to stream VR on Twitch. And that panel was really well received. Unfortunately, with them shutting down, uh, I don't know what their plans are. I haven't talked to them personally, and they released me from their ambassador program two months ago. Uh, I don't know what their plans are for a TwitchCon panel, but um, because they were closing down, uh, I, I and they also kicked me off the ambassador panel, so I expect them to not want me to do. Uh, and, and it wasn't anything to do with like I have no ill will towards them. They kicked me. They didn't fire me. It was because they were cutting back um, costs, and you know, we can see why now that they closed down. But um, with V-Real removing me from their ambassador program, I decided to come up with a panel for TwitchCon um, because a lot of my friends wanted to be on a panel. Uh, because I was on the VR panel last year, I was probably the best one to submit it. So we did submit one. We're actually going to hear within the next five days or so whether or not that panel gets accepted. Now, the downside is if we do get accepted, actually the upside, we get free three-day passes. The downside is three-day passes to TwitchCon have already sold out. So uh, and I didn't buy one. So if I don't get accepted, I probably won't go. And September is going to be a very difficult month for me. TwitchCon is at the end of September. Difficult as in like not hard, um, but it's very packed. I have um, first off a major event that I'm planning. Uh, I'm going to Japan uh, from like the second week of September until right before Oculus Connect. Oculus Connect 6 is Facebook's big VR conference. That'll be uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday is TwitchCon. So I'm going from Japan to San Jose, to San Diego, and then back home. Uh, it's kind of a it's kind of a rough month of traveling for Nikki when it's supposed to be my vacation. So we'll see uh, if I do end up doing that. What uh what what time are we at here in the podcast? We are almost approaching forty it's minutes. Almost here. time, yeah. It's almost about. Yeah, it's almost time to wrap it up. I'm gonna see if we can knock out one more topic here. I will make one comment though. Yeah, to remember, if you do end Go up ahead, going to TwitchCon, you. Remember, V-Rail for like the past two years has been like a little haven where you can hide away from the chaos that is yeah. TwitchCon. And oh, now that they're gone, even if you do end up going and doing your panel, you lost that hideout. Unless you can find someone else, but I don't remember anyone else that had just like an empty room you could walk into. So what Kiel was talking about is the great thing about V-Rail is they always had their own room adjacent to the conference. In the San Jose Convention Center, you could literally walk out of the conference and walk into the VR real room. Like they're in a hallway to the hotel connected to the convention center. And we would go there because the Fortnite tent was humid. The, the sweat, the, the outdoor heat all combined. You could taste in this. the sweat. 
in the yeah, room. Yeah, it was gross. The Fortnite tent was gross. Terrible. The show floor was loud. We would go to the V-Rail room. And they had this big open room where you could sit down on chairs and uh, and just hang out. And they had water and snacks and all that stuff. So for the past couple of years, I'd been using them as like a little bit of like, oh, I'm going to leave my – they let me leave my stuff there. And, like, use it as, like, a storage locker for the day so I don't walk around with anything. And if I needed it, it was just right outside the convention center. Uh, so so I am going to miss those guys. Good luck. Uh, good luck if any of the V-Real team is listening. I wish you guys the best. I had, I had a good time working uh, with you guys. Uh, unfortunately, I'm on your team on that one. Uh, I, the market just isn't there for that kind of VR really content creation. had a good solution for a problem that, unfortunately, just never really arose. Exactly. There's the other better fantastic. ways. Yeah, the tech was fantastic. Their solution was fantastic. It just was never became never became a problem, which is sad. Yeah, but it happens. All right, uh, I want to try to find one more topic here. Uh, we're going to try to keep early access podcasts to forty to fifty minutes, so I don't end up dying and overworking myself. Uh, overworking myself. Uh, do you want to talk about how there are uh, no video games in Japan? Besides the fact or, that there's just no video games, that seems like your topic right here. There are no video games in Japan. That's uh, true. I think he's California. So someone photoshopped, oh, or I don't even think they photoshopped. No, no, I just think mis- they just misattributed up, quote. Straight up misattributed quote. It's just a misattributed quote. quote. For a joke. For a joke purpose. Uh, California um, House of Representatives uh, McCarthy said, there are no mass shootings in Japan because there are no video games there. Uh, that that tripped me out because I, I think the screenshot was like four days old. And if he had said that four days ago, the internet would have already grabbed onto that. I saw a bunch of people retweeting that. There's a whole debate right now, of course, going on on Twitter about video games uh, and video games causing violence. In the, in the country, not not just on Twitter, in the country. Up to the political level, to the presidential level, to the congressional level. News news is talking about video games causing violence. Um, and, of course, anyone listening this far into this podcast, into a gaming slash VR podcast, anyone listening this far, I'm preaching to the choir. If I say, video games don't cause violence, you've, you've heard it 50 times, you've thought it yourself. Uh, and I, I found some actual studies. Uh, someone I follow on Twitter, if you head over to, I'm going to link this down in the description if you're listening on YouTube, but if you're uh, listening to this audio only, it is platinumparagon.info. Uh, she did a study on gaming and violence, and she found uh, so. So one thing that that is true is that uh, research on video games and video game violence can be inaccurate because the sample size you get for this kind of research are university students who need money uh, because you know college tuition is insanely high, uh, and you can't necessarily get children to study uh, for this or adults with real jobs. So when you do a science experiment. Uh, about anything, whether it be video games and violence or uh, anything that has to do with people, it's hard to get a good sample uh, of people because university students are the only ones who are going to volunteer and they might not be representative of the entire population. The other thing is it's unethical to get people to hurt each other in the name of research, uh, is what she said. So, uh, of course, it's going to be kind of hard to, like, you know, get two test subjects and put boxing gloves on them and have them punch each other in the face after playing Grand Theft Auto. Like, that's just straight up not allowed anymore. Uh, but she found a couple things that I found interesting. Uh, I, the, so this study shows, with a sample size of over 200,000 people, uh, video game was weakly and inconsistently related to youth violence and that attributes like gender uh, and being a bully can explain youth violence 
1200 to 800 percent more respectively and uh trying to figure out how to reduce youth violence in other ways would be a more cost-effective method than uh just getting rid of video games which in, in a way we should get rid of some video games like i'm not completely against fox news going insane here PUBG needs to be erased from the face of the earth uh Final Fantasy uh, 13. That's the one I played. That game is trash. That is that is a terrible excuse for a Final Fantasy game. And I don't even think very highly of the Final Fantasy series. She recommended for reducing youth violence, uh, teaching healthier co- uh, coping mechanisms, furthering investments in anti-bullying schemes, furthering investments in minimizing risk-taking behaviors, and improving academic engagement in young people lacking study space and support. Uh, and and those are all going to be more effective things to do than getting rid of Fortnite. Which something no one ever seems to mention is that not all video games are violent. Uh, everyone points to Fortnite, but it, Fortnite doesn't even have any blood or anything. No, it's even it's known for being a very like the most cartoony and non-violent of the battle royale games. At least for like the big ones. I know there's like some small ones that are like water gun level, but you can literally go around like chopping trees down with a candy cane Fortnite is so non-violent <laughs> the, the guns are all like I, I mean they, they do have like revolvers and the uh, the purple assault rifle does look like a scar uh, but but you're not like blowing people's limbs off uh, I, I, I mean when you when you point to Call of Duty and say oh Call of Duty can cause violence I can see that correlation even though it's not true a little bit more than the, the most popular cartoon cartoon game of all time other than minecraft is causing violence uh so so fortnite might not be the greatest example i mean of course we just also had the fortnite world cup uh which if fortnite really was causing violence we probably would have seen riots all over the place in that stadium where they were holding the fortnite world cup live we see those in actual sports games which somehow missed the conversation entirely yeah we see, uh, we've seen more riots at sports games than we have at actual. Uh, like hockey's actually events. violent. It's, yeah, it's, it's oh, great. Yeah. It's wonderful, but it's actual violence. Like you physically do things. You're not even simulating it at this point. That's one of the reasons why hockey is like one of the only sports I'll sit down and watch. I mean, I won't put it on the TV, <laughs> but if someone's watching it and they're like, "Dude, a fight's broken out," I'll I'll stop what I'm doing to watch. Uh, so that that's entertaining. But actual sporting events, you're right. Do you have more uh, violence than? Than uh, esports events. Do we wrap around and say that the no mash uh, there are no mass shootings in Japan because there are no video games there? Did we say that was fake? Some dude faked we that fake. and apologized. Uh, now he didn't of really apologize. Hear- he kind of just said it was satire and just kind of left it at that. But by we that by this the- point, thousands of people have like retweeted it, thinking it's real. Yeah, so many people on my timeline have been uh, tweeting out that. Uh, that this was fake or not fake no one has said it was fake everyone's been like uh, wow I cannot believe I've seen people from outside of the country outside of the USA I can't believe in America your your Congress is incredibly dumb um, but this was very much a fake tweet uh, and we here at the Early Access Podcast of course top tier journalism you can expect I couldn't find the original tweet but Kuehler's pretty sure she saw it and you're saying I scrolled that, down like three posts you, and I saw someone point out that it was fake. Yeah. Uh, I like mean, 100 you're, likes, you're the one. No retweets. You're the one who found that it was actually um, the actual. I, 
I, when I first saw it, I thought it was fake, but I didn't get the actual confirmation of the I thought it was fake, too. It. That's why I looked, also. I wanted to, like... Th- this can't be real. We can't find the exact tweet, but the person said it was fake. Is what I'm trying to say. Uh, there are indeed video games in Japan. In fact, I will I will report back in September. Yeah, we're, we're gonna... You're gonna go for certain to Japan just to, like, do some, like, in-person journalism just to confirm. Are there video games in Japan? It's a hard-hitting question. I, I'm not sure. I, I'm actually not certain. We'll have to confirm this with my own it's, eyes. It's going to have to be There's scientific about this, you know? If, if you're in exactly. Japan and you see a video game, then you've confirmed the question. I'll write it down. I'll write it down. Uh, that has been the first episode of the Early Access Podcast. We're syndicating, assuming I don't mess it up, out to Spotify and iTunes. I'd appreciate it if you guys rate us there. Uh, YouTube.com slash Del Shampoo if you want to watch this on YouTube. And we do stream this live on Twitch.tv slash Del Shampoo at 9 p.m. PST on Tuesdays. I've been your host, Nikki, from Stealth Shampoo. Uh, Keeler is running things in the back here. I appreciate you guys watching, and we will see you guys all next week for another episode of the Early Access Podcast.